investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 31 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So it's only, uh, it was less than 12 months ago that I did a podcast on assessing the value of a property in a rising market. Now at the time, Melbourne's property market was entering the the spring period and was certainly undergoing some fairly frenzied demand and surging prices. Now that came off the back of um, some fairly lengthy lockdowns that we'd been experiencing as a result of COVID um, through the mid part of 2021. And that was certainly influencing buyers' um, state of mind and, and certainly their fear of missing out. There'd been extended periods where there'd been an inability to inspect properties in order to purchase. And therefore, um, that FOMO was really in, in full flight at that point in time. At that stage, the um, the ABS figures were showing that nationally the residential property prices had reached their strongest annual growth uh, on record. Um, that was for 2021, which was rising at 23.7%. Um, and in Melbourne, it was at 20%, which was the largest annual rise since June 2010. So the market was really kicking along, has been kicking along for the last two and a half years um, and when prices have, have had reached their um, new peak. The market now, though, has certainly moved into an adjustment phase, and we um, we spoke about that at uh, during a recent podcast, and it's certainly now starting to to level off. And we may even see once we get into the spring market, um, when the supply levels really do start to lift again, um, and the demand isn't able to match this, that things will start to contract. Um, we'll likely continue to see interest rate rises, which is um, is certainly impacting on buyers' confidence levels uh, and the number of buyers that are able to um, to facilitate a transaction. But the wheels of the property market will still continue to move. Um, we'll, we'll still see things can, um, continue to sell, and that'll move us towards eventually when the market starts to turn and, and prices go into their next growth phase. But in the meantime, this adjustment fades phase provides buyers with um, some really good opportunities. Um, they're able to seek out value um, without that fear of missing out and really concentrate on the actual property that they're focusing on and where might be reasonable value rather than really concerning themselves on what the competition might be um, be up to. So what I wanted to look at today was some of the factors to consider when you're looking at buying in um, a cooling market uh, and that's what we're experiencing at the moment. So the first um, point that I wanted to, to discuss was understanding that select the asset selection is still the absolute key to this process and the fact that there's value to be had around shouldn't divert that. So understand first and foremost, what's the purpose of the acquisition? Are we looking at it for an investment? Are we looking at it for a home purchase? Or perhaps is it a lifestyle decision? So buying a, a holiday home or a town base, that type of thing. So then step back and say, we're well, looking at the property is this property going to meet the brief that we've been looking for? So for instance, if you were looking at something that you had the opportunity to add value to, um, is there that still going to be the case with this? Or is it, oh, this one looks really good value and it's it's renovated, but uh, it's good value. No, the reason that we've purchased this or we're looking to purchase is because we wanted a project to be able to do something ourselves. Or are you looking to upsize? Um, this one looks good value. It's only three bedrooms. We're really hoping for four, but 
No, the reason that we're moving is because we needed a bigger home and we need to upsize. So really focus on making sure that the property purchase is going to meet the brief. So location, are you really go are you absolutely in the school zone? Um, if you're buying a holiday house, was the real purpose to be as close and walking distance to the beach as possible? Don't divert from that. Really keep the focus on on what the apps what the asset the purpose of the asset selection is going to be. And don't get caught up in that that mindset of, oh, this looks to be good value. It may be, and if it meets the brief, fantastic. It's ticking all boxes. Let's see how we can how well we can purchase the property. But be very mindful that even in a falling market, it could be cheap for a reason. Um, and therefore, if it's not meeting the brief and it's cheap for a reason, steer clear of it. The next step is sourcing the property. Um, and when you're in a, um, in a market that is uh, starting to, to slow down, patience is really important. Everyone wants to buy in a cooling market and potentially even at the bottom of a cycle if, that, if the ability is there. But what you need to remember is that vendors are the opposite. So they don't want to sell in the cooling market and they certainly don't want to sell at the, um, at the bottom of a cycle. So what we tend to find when the market turns is that discretionary vendors will step back and they'll hold off. So the level of choice from a buyer's perspective quite often drops off. That's not just overall supply, that's quality of supply as well. So it comes back to patience being really key to what you're doing. It's really important um, when sourcing property to keep close to the agents because when the supply is not there, you need to know about everything that's going on, whether it's off market or whether it's um, potential for upcoming opportunities that may not have hit the market yet. Um, and the vendor may be intending to go to, to, um, to public auction or to a, an advertised campaign, but if there's an opportunity to buy it beforehand, they may well be worth considering that. And if you're close to the agent, then you can get those opportunities. Um, but don't feel as though you have to jump at the first property you see. We're not in that phase like we were last year where the market might run away from you. Um, but also, and this is something that a lot of buyers get caught in, is finessing things and thinking that, oh, there'll be another one that'll come along. I don't need to worry about it. In a slowing market, there won't be as much choice. And if you find the right property, whether it's the first one or the 20th one, if it's the right one, then you, you treat it on its merits. So once you have identified that, that right property, then it's a matter of assessing the value and, and making sure that you understand where things sit. Now, we've, we've spoken about in a previous podcast on assessing value in a rising market, and there's actually a lot of relevant points to that here because a lot of the fundamentals to assessing value in a moving market are relevant whether it's rising or whether it's falling. So firstly, we need to look at um, assessing the technical value. And there are a number of characteristics of the property that you need to look at to determine that. So things like the location, um, where is it positioned, what's it in proximity to, the land size, um, the orientation of the property, uh, the building size, the building style are both really important, and the condition, obviously. And then in certain aspects, car parking. So whether that's for an apartment, whether it might be for a terrace house, and in some circumstances, car parking can be really important in that area. So those, these are some of the things that you use to determine the, um, the, the, the technical value of the property. Now, once you've got those elements, you can compare those to the comparable sales um, that are within a reasonable proximity to your property. Now, in a cooling market, like in a rising market, it's really important to use as current sales as possible so that it's really reflective of the market conditions at the time. Um, but as we've previously stated, that technical value is one part, 
then the second part is to look at the market sentiment. And that's really in that moving market is really important. When you're in a, a fairly a market that's plateauing or has been stable for a period of time, um, market sentiment's probably not going to have as much of an influence. And your comparable sales can be a little bit older because the market's not changing drastically. But market sentiment in a moving market is really important. So in some of the considerations to take into account here are looking at the number number of similar properties that have been listed for sale in recent times. So has there been a lot that's similar or has there not been a lot of, of choice in that segment? Observing auctions. So how is the market moving? What's the competition level like? Um, what's the number of bidders that are attending similar properties like? And, and are they bidding or is it limited and properties are regularly passing in? And then look at the value value movement of similar properties. So if you can go back six months and see what something similar might have, have sold for, and then something similar that sold in the last two to three months, you might see that things are starting to drop. And therefore, is that likely to continue? And can you factor that in in your, your value assessments as well? So that's that's really part a really important part of, of market movement. Um, what you also need to remember, though, is you can't push too hard on a property. Um, you, you, what you really have to bear in mind is that uh, a particular type of property may well be bucking the trend. So looking at market sentiment, um, you may actually find that, well, there hasn't been a lot around. And the last one of these that sold, there was actually three or four people bidding and it, and it went well and truly past the quote price. So Market sentiment, even in a falling market, may well dictate that, hey, this property is something that I might have to be um, competing for. So it's it's very important to look at where things sit, even though the overall trend of the market might be turning down, that particular type of property might be um, might be quite strong. So then once we've, we've assessed value, we need to start looking to set some realistic expectations in terms of attending an auction or getting into a negotiation. So it's very common for buyers in a cooling market to almost outsmart themselves and try and finesse the price or the price assessment too much. Now, as I said before, everyone wants to pay as little as possible for a property. It's only human nature when you're buying. Um, but what's it really important to remember that even in a soft market, good quality property is still going to have demand levels for it and there'll be competition. And it's why it's a good property. So you need to be prepared to set a realistic budget when you're going to into a negotiation or into a bidding at an auction. So this is not necessarily what you want to pay for the property, but it's what you might need to pay for the property under competition. And it's really important to understand the difference there. You want to pay as little as possible. And if you can get into that um, position, then great, do that. But if you're not prepared to pay a fair market price, then you will outsmart yourself and you'll continually miss out on properties. Okay, so let's look at when we're uh, we're buying at auction. In a, in a cooling market, it's really important to understand the rules of an auction. And there are a number of elements that you really need to take note of. The first one is that the auctioneer determines whether or not they will accept the bid. And I see this quite regularly when bidding at auction, that buyers think that an auctioneer has to take their bid. They don't. Um, they do not have to accept your bid. So if, for instance, they feel as though the increment is too small, they can say, sorry, sir, or sorry, ma'am, I'm not prepared to take that bid. I'm working in $10,000 increments at the moment, or I'm in $25,000 increments at the moment. They don't have to. They also may look at it and say, well, this person has been disruptive. Um, they are 
not making it fair on other bidders, and so they're not going to consider it. They may think that that person's not a genuine bidder too, and they may well be doing something from a disruptive nature. So bear in mind, they do not have to accept your bid. The next one is that if a property is going to be passed in, then you want to make sure it's passed into you as a genuine bidder, because if it's passed into you, you have first right to negotiate at the vendor's reserve. This is really important. Um, and it's really important if the property is going to pass in within your budget and you have a genuine interest in the property that you ensure that the property passes into you. It puts you in the box seat to negotiate. Now, bearing in mind that legally, if you as a buyer have a property passed into you and you reject the vendor's reserve price, then the agent legally is able to go and negotiate with others. Now, most of them will, in good faith, continue the negotiation back and forward, either until a, su a successful result is achieved and you've purchased the property, or it gets to a point where the vendor is not prepared to concede anymore, you're not prepared to increase anymore, then as a stalemate, the auctioneer agent will go and deal with other parties and they have every right. But just bear in mind, if you get... Um, an agent or an auctioneer who's being a little bit difficult and they do say, well, you've rejected the vendor's reserve, I'm going elsewhere, they can do that. Most won't, but just bear in mind that they could. So it's important at the auction to, when you're, once things start and get underway, to understand the nuances of that auctioneer and look at how they're calling for bids, what they're asking for. So for instance, a high vendor bid opening out um, compared to say the quote range can quite often indicate that there might be limited interest in the property. So for instance, if a property is quoted at one to $1.1 million and the auction is vendor, opening vendor bid is at the mid part or the upper part of that quote range, then what that would tell me is that there may only be one person or maybe no people interested in the property and they're trying to start the bar at a higher level so that there's a smaller gap to bridge between an eventual bidder and the, what their, their knowledge of the vendor's reserve price would be. So make that gap as small as possible, easier to get a sale put through. So let's start things from a, a little bit of a higher rate. Um, so just something to be, to be mindful of. Now, if you are uh, able to secure the... Um, an, uh, Sorry, if you are able to secure that passing um, and, it, and the property is passed into you, then there's a number of things to bear in mind and remember when you go into that negotiation because it can be quite a daunting task. Task. I mean, you're going up against or negotiating with an auctioneer who does this um, and most likely has been doing this for a long period of time. So the first thing is that they'll invite you inside the property. Now, the first thing to say is no thanks. I'm more than happy standing outside. Um, what that does is it enables you to see who your competition is, watch as most of the people that are in attendance go into their neighbouring properties or hop in their cars and drive away. So you can then see whether or not there is actually any genuine competition. You need to really know your comparable sales, So, and particularly the ones that justify a lower figure. So it's, it's important to know where value sits off those sales, but remember the ones that are at the lower end because they're the ones you're going to use as your negotiation. If you've had a building inspection done, know what the um, the issues with the property are and even bring it along so you can point out to the auctioneer, well, these are some of the things that I have to factor in that I'm going to have to do to this property if I am successful in purchasing it. 
Also bear in mind that the reserve price that the agent um, presents to you will more than likely be inflated. Um, so you may try to get a, uh, a knockdown figure before you start increasing yours if you are prepared to do that. And also be prepared to walk away. Um, it's a really strong position, but you, knew, you if you are going to say that, you, are, you do need to be prepared to do it. Don't just use it as, a, um, uh, as words. Um, and the other thing too is to be very careful not to be too greedy or too bloody-minded when it comes to a negotiation. Um, for the sake of five, ten thousand dollars $10,000, if you've found the right property um, and you, you know it's going to be hard to replicate, then make sure you give yourself every chance to secure the property. And a lot of these elements that I've just listed there can be used in a private sale negotiation. The difficulty in, in trying to give advice and tactics around a private sale in this scenario is that they're all different and all agents will, will conduct them differently. So once you've got an understanding of the rules of engagement with that auctioneer, or sorry, that agent, then you can determine how you approach that private sale negotiation. Okay, so for today's case study, I'm looking at a, uh, a property that I purchased a number of years ago. It was in a um, in a cooling market at the time, not in the current one, but it was in a cooling market. It was a, um, a property that we were looking at for a client that was downsizing, a uh, single story unit within a development of four. It was on a corner block. And the reason it was so, um, so well regarded for that purpose is that being on the corner, it didn't have any common property or four units had their own street frontage. Uh, it was single level, had really good off-street parking, um, lovely gardens that were well looked after, but not um, high maintenance either, um, but a really good size unit. So uh, a lot of accommodation, which a lot of downsizers want, they just want it to be low maintenance. Um, and it was in a fantastic pocket of East Melbourne, very close to Central Park. Um, now we did our value assessment on that. Um, we looked at market sentiment at the time, which appeared to be even in a cooling market reasonably good because the OFIs had been very well attended um, and there had been nothing else like this property sold in and around this area in recent times. So we um, prepared ourselves. We had what we considered to be a healthy limit without being silly, but we were certainly in excess of the, um, the quoted range on that property. Now, on the morning of the auction, I came around the corner to where the auction would be conducted, and there would comfortably have been a crowd of over 100 people at the time, and then by the time the auction actually started, it would have been pushing 150. So a really, really well-attended auction. And the other thing that um, suggested that it was going to be quite competitive was that the demographic of that auction was predominantly people in a 55 to 75 age bracket, which again is a classic downsizer market. So um, I turned and looked at Paul Nugent, who was in attendance with me at that auction and, and said, oh, we might have undershot this. This is looking like it's going to be really competitive. So the auctioneer came out, started his spiel, um, then asked for opening bids and it was crickets. No bidding whatsoever. So I held back at that stage, let him go inside, have a chat to the vendors, came back out and still couldn't get a bid. So I opened a bidding at that stage. Um, and again, he could not get anyone else to compete against me. But eventually a young lady did put her hand up and she was in attendance there with what appeared to be her elderly mother. Um, they put in a bid, which I matched pretty quickly. Um, and then it took a long time, but eventually she put in a second bid and I matched that again fairly quickly. But we were still well and truly within the quote price. So as much as the auctioneer from there tried to get a further bid from that lady and from others in the, in the crowd, which it clearly looked as though he expected to bid, 
nothing happened. So eventually they um, they did pass the property into us. Now, I had to do my best with Paul to not smile because this was um, a very surprising result and we were feeling as though we were in, a, in the box seat. Um, the reserve price that they came back to us with was well and truly within our um, our limit that we'd come to the auction with, but it was still in excess of the uh, the quoted price. So we pushed really hard um, because we felt as though we were in that position. The uh, attendees at the auction all disappeared very quickly, um, and we were able to pick that price that property up at an extremely good price. Um, and particularly with the, what the market's done in recent times, it's um, it was a it was very good value. So I guess the moral of that is. You need to be prepared to pay a good price. You need to do your um, assessments on value. But once the opportunity presents itself, then you really are there to take advantage of that and go in hard. So that's about it for today's episode of uh, a 30, sorry, episode 31 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Feel free, as always, to share it as, as widely with friends and family and colleagues as you possibly can. And if you would like further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And we wish you all the best with your property decisions. Mm-hmm.